want to share with you the power that is at work within us. Um, how many of you remember that Jesus told his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, to tarry in Jerusalem, and he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. You'll be my witnesses. You will be those who testify of me and testify of the things you've seen and heard and done. And so if we're going to be able to testify of these things, Jesus says, I want you to wait in Jerusalem uh, till power comes upon you. Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, also said at the end of his gospel, till you are clothed from on high. You've heard that term, clothed from on high. So what he says is this, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. What we understand in the New Testament is that our sins are cleansed by the blood of Jesus, so the Holy Spirit can now take residence in us, so that we are sealed under the day of redemption. So this word that I want to share with you tonight is the word power, and the word in the Greek is dunamos, dunamos, power. It's this same word found in Ephesians 3.20. You all have outlines tonight. I'm Ephesians 3.20. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. I like the King James just because I like the, the way the, the words roll together. Unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly. I like that. Above all that we ask or could even imagine. So this is in the realm beyond your imagination. Yes. How many of you know God gave you an imagination? Yes. Now the imagination in fallen man is a dangerous thing. Because it imagines all the evil and all the perverse things it can do. But what about imagination in the minds of saints? People who are holy. See, I'm afraid we don't use our imagination enough. We leave the imagination to the world to do all the crazy, silly, way crazy things. Why aren't we using our imagination so above? Because when you try to put your imagination way out there for crazy things, I mean, who would imagine that we could save the whole, all the nations could come to a knowledge of Christ? Well, Jesus had that knowledge. I don't know if you're aware of this, but that's the plan. <laughs> this is the plan that we would preach and, and bring all this gospel to all the nations, right? right? Now therefore go and do this thing, right? But in our imagination, have we thought about that? Have you imagined how we're going to literally transform this area, transform these communities, and transform these cities, and transform Detroit so that it'll transform Michigan, and Michigan will have this crazy revival and presence of God that'll literally transform form the United States. Anybody in that realm of imagination? I need more believers, more people to daydream. Somebody daydream with me about the things of God, right? All right, I'm stuck there. I like imagination. All right, but he'll do things above and beyond your imagination. Well, how? According to the what? According to the power that is where? at work. It's working in us. Every believer has this power of God that is at work in them. He's not idle. He doesn't sit still. He's not sleeping. He's not slumbering. If you are saved, you have the person of the Holy Spirit in you, 
And there is a power that is literally transforming you and at work in you and at work to accomplish great things in you and through you. Beyond what you could ask or imagine. So again, I'm going to go back to the imagine. I hope some of you are imagining that you can do great things. Great things. There are times when I've had opportunity to minister and prophesy over people, and, I, and there have been a number of times where I've prophesied over people, and, and while you're praying for them, you get this sense of that they're going to pre, uh, preach or teach or share the Word of God with thousands of people and, and many people like that. And so the first thing that comes into most people's minds is I'm going to be on a stage somewhere, and I'm going to be at, at a crowd speaking to a thousand people. Because I ask this, Lord, why am I... Why does that happen a lot when I'm praying for people and different uh, folks who want to witness and this and that, that they're going to speak to thousands and all that? Because really, not everybody gets a chance to stand on a stage and talk to a thousand people, you know, this and that. And the Lord really began to open my mind to understand something like that because if you speak to one person one day and you impart something to them and speak to another person, over the life, over your life, over 10 years, over 20 years, you're speaking to thousands of people. And those people are ministering to other people. And you may literally be speaking to someone that received the gospel, that got saved, that might speak to other people from other nations. Now you've spoken to nations. You've spoken to people's lives where maybe they had children and children's children and they, because of your witness to them, they spoke to them. See, within your ministry or within your reach, you have the ability to speak to thousands and to speak to nations. Do you see what I mean about imagination? You've got to go beyond the limit of what you're thinking. Everyone in this place will probably witness to thousands of people in your lifetime. Anybody? You okay with this? Okay, you've got to see from God's vantage point of what's going on. There is a power that is at work within you. This is the normal Christian life, that God's power is at work in us. Now, what I want you to understand is what this power does and how it operates. Let's look at the meaning of the word dunamos. It is an inherent power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. A power that resides in something that is inherent to its nature. So, a power within a dog is dog power. It's inherent to its nature and it runs like a dog and it barks like a dog. Dog power, right? So you get the point. It's inherent to the nature of the thing. If the Holy Spirit's dwelling in you and He is giving you dunamis power, the power out of His own nature, what kind of power is it? God's power. It's inherent to God's nature. So the power that is at work in you is God's nature and virtue. His power is at work. And come on, Honestly, folks, would you consider that the church filled with all these people are all operating out of God's power? We are. But where is it? There's no shortage in God's power. And he, he got a whole bunch of containers, a whole bunch of clay jars, and, and he poured himself into all these clay jars I don't know, what do we got, 80 clay jars here tonight? Easily? 
So we got 80 clay jars here with the very power of God residing in them. What can we do with it? What can he do with it? Amen. Right? And, and so that's the thing. We all have power here that is not our ability. It's not our nature. Whose nature is it? God. It's God's. And whose power is it? God's. That is within us. So there's no shortage of power tonight. There's no shortage of God's virtue. This dunamos dwells in every believer. And then it goes on and it says, or it is the power a person or thing that exerts or puts forth power. So there is a residing power, and then there is a power that exudes from the thing. All right? And so what should be taking place in the Christian life is that there should be a dynamic power actively working internally in us and actively exerting that power out of us. Internal and external. Not by our abilities, but by the very virtue of the nature of the one who dwells in us. Are you with me? Who has the Holy Spirit in them? I want to show hands this time. Who has the whole... Okay. Just want to see a witness on that. So there is divine power. Now listen to Ephesians 1, 19 and 20. That you may know, verse 19, what is... Uh, you, you remember this prayer. We prayed it two years ago continually all year. Ephesians 1, 17. And, and it really spoke to us. We pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Wisdom and revelation. And the third aspect of it is, was this. So that you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Now that is one power-packed verse because there are basically four words for power in the Greek and this verse is the only verse in the Bible that contains all four. It's talking about the power of the resurrection that's in us. Now look at how many adjectives and Paul did everything he could to pick out every power word he could find in the Greek language. He said that you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power, of his dunamos, the greatness of his powerful nature towards us who believe. <clears throat> According to the working, the Greek word energia, of his great might, uh, which is issues, uh, and kratos. I mean, come on. That he worked, energio, in Christ when he raised him from the dead. How many powers do you got going here? Immeasur like immeasurable greatness. Can you measure that on the Richter scale? Why? Thank you. <laughs> it's immeasurable. It'll blow out any scale or any type of measurement that man could measure. It's bigger than an F4, F5, F6. It's immeasurable, this power. It's limitless. If God is the God who created all things, His power is greater than any natural force in creation. And how many of you know nature can be pretty powerful? God, it's nothing to God. And F5 is a cool breeze. We're talking immeasurable power. Now what this verse tells us is how much power. Paul's really trying to pump this thing up because he wants you to know how much power it took to raise Christ from the dead. When Christ rose from the dead, he broke the power of death that has ruled and reigned over this creation since Adam. 
the power of death and the power of the demonic, he crushed it and he broke it by exerting his great force and power that raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the right hand of the Father. Now, I know he's God, but at the same time, he also took on human flesh. And so he raised a man from the dead and a man to the throne. That's an exertion of great power over all that the devil did and all of uh, the uh, power of death. And so it says this, that his great power towards us who believe, it's immeasurable, it's greatness, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So let me ask you this. Does this same power, he later says in a different book, if that same power... The power we just talked about. If that same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, what will it do? It will, as the King James says, it will quicken or it will make alive your what? Anybody? Anybody? Mortal bodies. It'll make alive. It'll do that. Now we look at that and we say, just like uh, Martha, yes, Lord, we believe in the resurrection. One day it will raise us in the resurrection. That's a present tense thing that's going to happen now. That power dwells in you. It's the dunamos, the very nature of God, in us. If you have the power that raised God from the dead, it will quicken or make alive your mortal body. Does the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, is there enough power to break dead things in us? If it raised Jesus from the dead, can it raise you from the dead things that are in you? Can it break the power of sin in you that causes death? Yes. Can it break addictions? Yes. Can it break heroin addictions? Yes. Can it break alcohol addictions? Can it break nicotine addictions? Can it break any addiction? Can it break the death that is killing your marriage? Can it break the death of separation between loved ones? See, this is a power that has power over dead things. And where is it contained? In us. In us. We're always waiting for Him to bring it. It's here. Lord, send it. Lord, bring it. We talk about that a lot of times. You know, come. and He's here. It's here. A lot of times in worship we're saying that because we want a collective anointing. But individually, we've got them right here. Okay, so this verse is telling us this dunamos power, this power by the very nature of the thing, and who's the thing? God. This dunamis power by his own very nature dwells in us, and it's the power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him on the throne over all of creation. That power dwells in us. So if we're dead to sin, according to Romans, and it's, it's the ability to raise us from the dead, it should be vanquishing all the dead things in us. That's our potential, brothers and sisters. What I'm speaking to you is our potential. Now what's at resistance to that is our human will. And, and it is blocking and hindering the dunamos power of God in us. But I'll tell you, if you would lay yourself down and if you would lay your will down and let the tidal wave of that dunamos come through, 
And we've lost it in the church. We've lost the power of praying through that dunamis power to break the addictions and break this and break that. We've gotten so specialized. We are reflecting our society. We're so specialized now. And, and I'm saying this in a term that is the potential. I believe in counseling. I believe in, in helping each other. I'm not eliminating those, but I'm saying we're so specialized that we go to those first instead of praying through a problem. We're using counselors instead of the dunamos of God. We're reading books and studying answers instead of the dunamos of God that dwells in us. He's got all wisdom and knowledge within us, right? Do you see what I mean? We're going to outside sources when the inside source has all the power that made heaven and earth. So I want to remind us of what the true is. What is the potential here? If you don't recognize the potential, right? Now, he goes on and he says this, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so what God wants to do is to bring His kingdom to bear. And we are supposed to have this power so that we would be what? Witnesses of Jesus. You with me? Acts 1.8. You'll receive dunamos, right? So that you will be my witnesses everywhere. Witnesses everywhere. So the, the witness of Christ is that we're to be taking this power that's been given us, which is the presence of God, and bring the testimony of Jesus. Is there, do you have a testimony? Was there power in that testimony? Brought you a dead thing to life? There's your testimony. That's the presence of Jesus. So the testimony is this. We're supposed to bring the presence of Jesus through this indwelling dunamis power to all over the world, to everywhere. We're supposed to bring that testimony. And the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of what? Prophecy. It's the presence. A spirit of prophecy is Jesus. So what we've done again, what the potential of what Jesus wants and what we have conformed to is that we have made witnessing telling people about Jesus instead of the presence of Jesus in us. You with me? Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 4.20, the kingdom of God is not in word, but in dunamos. In power. Let's back that up again. Right? 1 Corinthians 4.20 The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Now Paul, if you'll study that portion of Scripture, Paul is sick of being dogged by the thorn in his flesh. The thorn in his flesh are the Judaizers who wherever he goes, they come after him and say, we're much greater than Paul is and don't listen to his doctrine. He's teaching you wrong and you need to be circumcised to be saved and this and that. Judaizers were following him. Everywhere he went, they'd come afterwards and try and tear up what he accomplished. And he's, he's basically griping and saying, look it, I'm coming back there and when I come, I'm coming with what? Power. In demonstration, he said, I may not be eloquent of speech, but I came in power and demonstration of Christ Jesus. I showed up with the goods, the presence of Christ. And he said, they can tell you all sorts of words, but the kingdom, say it with me, kingdom, kingdom. is not in word, it's in power. 
What is that power? Jesus, the presence, the testimony of Jesus. That's the power. Now, I'm not minimizing. I always, pastorally, I have to be careful. I want you to get this and not walk away with a skewed understanding. Pastor Tim says, I don't have to witness at all speaking. I'm not going to talk to anybody anymore. And say that. You will use words, but it is the words with the anointing of the power of Jesus. Testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy when you show up with the dunamos, knowing that it is not a clever conversation you're coming to bring, but the presence of Jesus to a situation because he abides in you and dwells in you with no limit of power. And you bring the presence of Jesus to someone. You have a word of revelation about Jesus for them. You can testify of the dead things he brought to life in you. And you offer life to dead souls. You bring life to dead, wounded people. Right? And that's the spirit of Christ. That's the prophecy. That's the gospel that Paul is saying. The kingdom is not made of words. The kingdom is the power, or if you will, the very person and presence of God. Paul said, that's how you can test my ministry against their ministry. I'm going to make a drastic statement. How much different are Christians than Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses? We all talk a big talk. There should be a sharp difference because the power of the kingdom of God follows you. And the testimony of who Jesus is follows you. Not a a magazine or boards and pictures, but the presence of Christ. This is what Jesus' plan was. And that's our potential that we want to walk into. Does everybody want to walk in that with me? All right? Now, you don't have to walk like shambalapalapatapa and bam, magic. No, come with the presence of Jesus. It's powerful. The love of Jesus to reach people, touch lives and touch souls is real. All right? Amen. You may end up you know, doing some of that other stuff too, but all right, let's go on. We've reduced the gospel to words instead of the person of Jesus. We tell people about Jesus instead of introducing them to him. Now, I've shared this a number of times. I'm going to do it again because it rocked my world. When I was in China ministering to the underground church, it's been five, six years now ago, when I was ministering to them, I came and I was giving them a very hermeneutical exegesis of a passage of Scripture on the deity of Jesus Christ. And these Chinese uh, leaders, 26 of them in a little room, about 12 by 12, sitting on plastic stools this high. And, and we're, we're off in northwest China, and we're speaking eight hours a day, teaching and instructing. They woke up at 6 to worship God till we got there at 8, and then from 8 till 8 at night, And then after that, we'd leave, and they'd continue to worship and pray. And I was there to minister to them, and I wanted to tell them about the deity of Jesus Christ, give them the proof texts, show them in Scripture how it proves and validates that Jesus is Lord. It was dead as a doornail. My translator's trying to convince them, and they're like this. I mean, it was dead. I'm dying. 
I can see that there's, there's death here. There's no life in this room. And this is not translating. And I'm, I've got, this was the first day. I had two weeks to go. <laughs> we took a break, went in the back room. I'm dying. I'm sweating. Translator says, what's wrong? What's going wrong? I'm saying, I don't know what's wrong. What's going wrong? Oh, Jesus, I don't know what to do. We're praying together. Father God, what's going on? This and that. What we realized is that I'll, I'll just cut to the chase. I was giving him word instead of power. And what I realized, and we began to pray, and we said, you know what? We've been talking about the, the deity of Jesus. Why don't we let Jesus be Lord? Instead of talking about him being the Lord, why don't we let him be Lord in that room? So we went back in that room, and we said, now that we've shared these scriptures with you that Jesus is God, let's let Jesus prove himself to be God. Does anybody need healing here today? Does anybody need deliverance? And we began to facilitate and allow Jesus to be the risen Savior in that room instead of talk about a risen Savior. What happened was I was filling the room with my information about him, not letting him fill the room with his presence. And I'm forever changed by that. Really, all of us simply need to facilitate an introduction to Jesus. Everybody's afraid of what to say about him. Stop talking about him and introduce them and let them meet Jesus. All you have to do is facilitate. Ask him. Talk to him. Do you know the Lord? Do you want to know the Lord? He, he heals. Let him talk. Let him ask questions. Let Jesus start showing up out of you. Instead of having the answer for everything, he's present, he's real. Guess what? His very nature and virtue dwells in you. Right? Amen. You're going to be his witnesses to the whole earth. Amen. Is that simply just giving information, or are you going to truly be a witness? The, the testimony of Jesus is what? The spirit of the prophetic, the presence. Okay? So what I want to encourage you is this is our potential, brothers and sisters. All of us, we have this potential to facilitate the presence of God because you carry that presence with you. All right? But I've only been saved two months. That's the beauty of this thing. It's not based on what you know or how, how much you've learned. It's, you're just a vessel of the presence of God. And so there's a potential here for all of us to realize dunamos, it is the inherent power of a residing thing by the virtue of his nature. The dunamos, the nature of God, resides in you. And he's here to do something in you and through you to exert his power out of you. So what that comes to is this, two essential things that this study is all about. The fruit and the graces. The fruit and the graces. The fruit is that developing work of the power that's at work in us. What are the fruit of the Spirit? You know them? There's nine of them. Love, joy, peace, gentleness. Yeah, after the fourth one, you just have to mumble because we get it. Right? Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, Right? Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, and there's probably a few others in there. Some nine, read them and, and, read them and weep. <laughs> but that power is dynamically creating that in us. And what does he do? He raises dead things, right? Remember that power verse, it put Jesus 
raised him from the dead and exalted him. That's what the dunamos is here to do, raise dead things. So where you are supposed to have love, he's dynamically working to produce the very love of God in you, but it's being squelched right now because you know what the opposite of love is, don't you? Nope. Fear. Fear. The Bible says, perfect love, completed love, does what? Casts out all fear. So fear's a dead thing. Fear scares you. Fear, you're dead to the love of God because of fear. He wants to go deeper and further in his love and express it to you, but you're afraid. You're afraid of what it's going to do to you, this and that. But when it's perfected in you, this dunamos power is completing love in you, it is breaking fear off of you. All right? So there is a fruit work. What does the fruit produce? The nature of the thing. Isn't that what fruit produces? Right? Orange, oranges come from what kind of a tree? An orange tree. That's the nature of the tree in that fruit, right? So this dunamos is the nature of God's own power, and it is producing fruit in you, which is the nature of who? God. God's nature. His fruit. His character is actively being produced in you. It's at work in you. This is the power of God to raise dead things. To begin to produce the peace of God that passes understanding. You say, I don't have enough peace. Then ask the dunamos power of God to go raise the deadness to bring peace. There's too much chaos in your life. Let him bring peace over that. Alright, so there's the internal work. The external dunamos that's supposed to come from us is what? The graces or the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now the root word for gifts of the Holy Spirit is charis. That's why we call them charismata. Okay? People call us charismatics. Wear that with honor because charis is grace. What the gifts represent are the graces of God. Christians are to be bringing the graces of God into a situation where people don't understand what to do. You bring a word of grace, a grace of knowledge into it, a grace of wisdom into the situation, a grace of healing. You are instruments of grace. Okay? So that's the power, the dunamos, that's supposed to be exerted out of us. There's a power exerted in us for the character of who we are. That's the fruit of his nature. And there is a power exuding out of us for the grace the world needs. You get it? We getting this? We're beginning to understand what we're doing here on planet Earth. Right? This is what it's all about. Life, the power of life is actively, dynamically doing this work of raising up life, life in us, bearing the character of God in all the dead places of your soul and in your thinking. Does anybody here recognize some of the dead things you think? Right? They're not in touch with the... You need your mind renewed. 
And, and, and that's happening. Okay, so there's this perfect balance when you think about it. The external nature and the internal nature is going on. It's a balance of power. The fruit of the Spirit to bring His nature in your character and the grace of His Spirit to bring the power out. Why do you think? Somebody t- take your Bible out. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. Right? Yeah. 1 Corinthians 12. Now concerning spiritual graces, brothers, or spiritual gifts. That's chapter 12, isn't it? He wants to tell you all about those graces. They operate differently so that we could effectively impact the world out there. There's a dunamos in here, the very nature of God in us, that he wants on these clay pots, he wants a spout so that the graces will pour out. I'm a little teapot, short and stout. Here is my handle. Here is my spout. When you tip me over, the Holy Ghost comes out. I just made that up. That's what's supposed to happen. Holy Spirit is supposed to be emitting from us the nature of God. Anybody with me? Come on, this is Gospel 101, but for some reason the church has lost this. And so this is Gospel 101. The whole reason we're here is to witness, be witnesses, to testify. And again, the testimony of Jesus is Him showing up. It's a better way to interpret spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is Him showing up. So He's in you, and when you show up, spiritual gifts show out and minister to the need of the people. Now again, that doesn't mean it has to be according to what you see on TV with the different spectacular things of the Holy Spirit. It could be as gentle as a little dove laying a hand and healing flow forth. It doesn't have to be shouting and screaming. You can, you can evict demons out of people's bodies by saying, be gone, get out of here. You have no right to be here. It can, or it can be loud, whatever. This virtue doesn't depend on the strength of your voice. Right? It's the virtue of God. So, okay, chapter 12, now concerning spiritual gifts. All right, here we go. Oh, what's, what's chapter 13? Let's go to 13. 1 Corinthians 13. We are, we're in a big, right in the middle of a discussion on spiritual gifts, that which is supposed to come forth from us. And then he goes into chapter 13. He says, Though I speak in the tongues of men and angels and don't have love, I'm a lousy, clinging, noisy gong and cymbal. If I have prophetic power and mysteries and knowledge and faith to move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I would give away everything I have. So the demonstration of all this externally, if you got nothing going on internally, developing the very character of his nature in you, then the witness of Jesus is wrecked. Can I translate it that way? Loud clanging gong and so forth. Do you see what I mean? The, the internal witness must match the external expression for the presence of Jesus to be clearly a testimony. Amen. I've run into power-packed, power-filled, anointed men of God that could lay hands on the sick and raise them, but they're the meanest ornery people around. There's a problem here with the presence of Jesus showing up. 
The power may use that person, but the character must... It's a balanced situation. That's why in 12 he talks about the gifts, in 13 he talks about the character, and in 14 he goes back to the combination of it being used in the assembly. This is the dunamos, balanced in the believer's lives. And that's what we're going to do, brothers and sisters. That's our potential. Is anybody else excited about this? That's us, that's us, that's us. Yeah! This is cool. Look what we're going to become. We're on our way. How many of you got the Holy Spirit in you? We're well on our way. How many of you know He's at work in you? Hallelujah! How many of you are trying to have that work come out of you towards others? Oh, we're on our way. We're making it happen. This is great. I like hanging with you people. Thank you, brother. Character and purpose. That's what the fruit and the gifts are. Character and purpose. When you, people want to be around you because there's character and purpose with you. When you show up, there's what? Quality and benefit. You see, the character that's being developed in you, the very fruit of Jesus, that's the testimony of Him in you. That's, that's character, right? That's quality. He took the dead things that you were, and He's bringing quality to you. And now, those, that very dunamis power that's coming out of you brings a benefit to everybody else. So there's quality and benefit. Do you know anybody that doesn't want quality and benefit? Can I tell you one thing? That's how every product is sold in the United States. People want to buy quality that benefits them. It has to be a high quality, right? You get what you pay for. High quality, and it has to benefit you. That's how half this world, all the world wants. Quality and benefit. Can you tell me something that's better quality than Jesus and more benefit than the Lord Jesus Christ? Quality and benefit, the fruit, the very dunamis. That's what the power is in us to do. Man, I want to I let him do that. Don't you? All right, so I'm coming to my conclusion on the dunamis. We're going to be working on this together. It's the testimony of Jesus. It says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature with God and men. Says that according to the fivefold ministry that the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher is given to the church to equip the saints for works of service till they come into full stature of Jesus Christ. What is the body supposed to do? Come into the full testimony or stature of whom? Jesus. The fivefold operating in the ministry of the church is to equip us. To grow into that presence of Christ. There's the dunamis power. Can it be done? Absolutely. Jesus has complete confidence in this plan. How many of you know that? He really does. I wouldn't. Because I know you and I know me. I mean, I don't mean to offend you, but I mean, really? Would you put you in charge of this world? So let's be careful on how harshly we're judging everybody else who has areas of power. Right? Especially if they don't have the dunamos in them. They're doing a mess. <laughs> doing a mess or dunamos? Somebody write that down. I like it. 
Ask him, are you doing a mess or doing the most? Spirit of God is doing the most. That's his goal in us. Now, so the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I had you start tonight with testimonies. We shared some testimonies. How many of you, when you hear a good testimony, does your faith rise? That's why we share testimonies. That's why when we share testimonies, we always want to have the focus on whom? Jesus, because we want to declare what he did in the testimony. Now, uh, it's interesting that there's a root word to testimony. To testify means to be a witness. We have this dunamis power in us to be what? Witnesses of Jesus. Now, the deeper sense of that is this, that uh, iduth means to testify or a precept or a warning, and it comes from the word that means a witness, to give evidence or to speak of something you saw. What's interesting in the primitive ancient Hebrew word for that word witness is to return or invoke the same thing to happen. Simply put, a testimony is to evoke the desire for it to happen again. And so when we share a testimony of healing, we're actually making a faith atmosphere and demonstrating a presence that we have a testimony that it would happen again. You share your testimony with someone to give them the hope and the promise it can happen to you. 